Hello fellow cinephiles and welcome to another episode of One More Take where we discuss all things movies over a nice glass of wine, beer, or your favorite cocktail. My name is Demi and I'm joined by Jasmine and Jordana. Hi ladies, what are we drinking tonight? Hi! Okay, so tonight I'm drinking a rosé from Spain, from actually the Canary Islands, which is kind of cool. It's called Bodegos Los Bermejos Rosado um, from the Lanzarote region. It's really good. It's a little pricey. It's like over 20, but it's like a cool different rosé. Sounds really nice and light. Uh, Tonight, I'm having a glass of Pellegrino, so I'm going back to my nice sparkling water. Pellegrino is one of my favorites. With a twist of anything? I feel like you know me by now. I'm a one in pour, so it's just going to be the Pellegrino. Demilsa, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a sparkling red wine from Italy. It's um, Bertolani, um, and it's really good. I actually really like it. I didn't know that, you know, sparkling wines could come in red, but my discovery of 2020. <laughs> yes, a good thing to come from 2020. Am I right? Yeah, there aren't too many. But yeah, the Lamb- Lambruscos are nice. All right, let's uh, delve into the quick take. Um, news has kind of been slow in the movie world, but we did recently learn that Adam McKay is working on a comedy project for Netflix, and it has an all-star cast. You have Jennifer Lawrence. Leonardo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep, Kate Blanchett, Timothy Chalamet, and Ariana Grande, to name a few. Um, it seems that it's about these two astronomers who are trying to warn America about an incoming um, asteroid. So, uh, could be interesting, could be funny. I'm really excited, especially when, you know, directors gather like such a big cast of like all-star names. I feel like it could either turn out really well like you know Ocean's Eleven or it could not but I have hopes that this will be really fun what do you guys think yeah is this is this supposed to be a comedy I'm only asking because Adam McKay like obviously he was a comedy writer director for a long time and then he kind of moved over very successfully to more like dramatic or like dark humor type stuff so did it or what what was your like it seems like it's supposed to be a comedy that's what um they're reporting Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it it has potential. I feel like it could go wrong also because the premise kind of reminds me of Armageddon, but like maybe if it's a comedy, I mean, obviously I I really enjoy Adam McKay. The cast is great, but like sometimes when there is like, yeah, this all-star cast, it can go either way, but you know, I'll give it a shot, especially it's on Netflix. Don't have to pay for movies anymore, essentially for the foreseeable future. So... You know, what's funny, too, is that there's been so many announcements of, like, movies with, like, these, like, epic casts for this year. So, it's, it's just, like, when are we going to see these films? In 2022? 2023? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Know. That's a good point. I mean, they're just, it's garnering excitement. So, I get why they're kind of announcing these big cast members. Because it's like, don't forget, movies are still here. We're still making them. But... I mean, that, that is a serious cast list, and that makes me extremely intrigued. Even though the premise, I'm a little like, huh, what's happening there? But I, I, would, li- I would love to see, I mean, I love Jennifer Lawrence, so I, I would love to see her in a new film. I mean, Leo, 
Timothy, like it's wow. I just don't, I just don't even know what I would do once this trailer will come out. And this could be Jennifer Lawrence' epic comeback, you know, to get her star rising again for the, <laughs> the current decade. Jennifer is fine. <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, well, in other news. Uh, according to ING, Jared Leto and Joe Manganiello are doing reshoots for Zack Snyder's Justice League. So just if you don't remember who they played in the DC universe, Jared Leto played the Joker in 2016 Suicide Squad and Joe Manganiello played Deathstroke, who appeared in an after credits scene in the theatrical release of this film. And if these reports are correct, then they would be joining Ben Affleck, Ray Fisher, and Amber Heard, who are apparently already on set doing these reshoots this month. This month is apparently the reshoot month. I mean, these this hasn't been confirmed from Zack Snyder, so it's we'll see. But if it if this is true, we have about five people on set doing doing reshoots. I mean, that's not the full cast that was there from Justice League. But I mean, this whole Justice League Snyder cut is really fascinating to me because what I thought it was going to be, they were going to release the film with the added deleted scenes and maybe like a couple of scenes that they would have to reshoot just to make it into a series. But it seems like this is turning into something completely different. Like I thought they would just have to add like effects to what was already there, but it seems like it might be something else now. Yeah, it sounds like a completely different yeah. thing now. And I originally thought he was just gonna like re-edit, add some deleted scenes. Yeah, maybe do some reshoots, but like now it's like, okay, are you just like filming the, the film completely from scratch? Like, what's yeah, going it's on? like, are you? I mean, obviously, I'm always a little confused when it comes to this stuff, but like, yeah, I mean, from what it sounds like at this point, it's just like making a whole new movie. Yeah. Like, what is going on? <laughs> Which, I mean, that could be confusing. Or, sorry, no, I was going to say, that can be interesting. But, yeah, perhaps a bit confusing <laughs> at this point. I mean, it might be. I mean, there was no Joker in the original theatrical re- release. Oh, there really? Was no, no, he wasn't a part of that. He's not in the deleted scenes. He, like, was only in Suicide Squad. So it's really interesting that Snyder is adding him to this film and then I don't know how much more of Deathstroke we're gonna see because that ending scene like he had one line you you saw him he took the mask off that and he had said his one line and that was about it so how much more will they be extending this like are they going to create that new league with Deathstroke like that that's what for me that would be the purpose of extending Deathstroke or I don't know. Is this like a plan to have a, a sequel to the Justice League if all things go well? It's it's a lot. I don't know what's happening. Will this even be good? Like at this Great point? question. <laughs> Great question. Will this even I mean I guess it could go either way. Yeah, I guess I guess we're gonna have to see what this cause it, it I mean it could be really cool it being this oh its own Thing, this mini series like now with all these reshoots and who's being added to it now I see this as an actual series like this could be 
connected to all the universes, but it could be its own thing. And yeah, then, like its own standalone. Exactly. And then they can move on and do whatever else in the movie theaters. Like maybe that's what they're thinking. Maybe Snyder, since he has, you know, HBO funding and I think HBO is open to anything right now. I, I you know, he might be like, oh, I can do anything that I thought about doing. The world is my oyster now that (laughs) it's a global pandemic and I'm aligned with a a television (laughs) streaming service, essentially. No, I mean, it it is cool. Yeah, we'll have to see how, I guess, it plays out. But um, we have an exciting discussion in our long take segment today, so let's turn to that. Right. So for today's main discussion, we are talking about the Twilight series. But I also want to welcome back Anna, who um, she's very knowledgeable about Twilight, I feel like. So she is a great person to have in this conversation. And Anna, what are you drinking today? I am drinking Moscato. Very nice. Is there a brand associated? It's the, the Barefoot. That's probably one of the number one selling Moscatos. Very nice. Very sweet and refreshing, right? Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> All right. So we'll, we will get into the discussion. So I hope everyone listening kind of has a semblance of the Twilight films and the Twilight books. But basically, it's it's a series of books that was turned into a movies. It was aimed as young adults. It's a romance book about vampire and uh, werewolves and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I really feel like it's part of the public disc- or pop culture discourse at this point. Um, so I think the way we wanted to talk about Twilight, instead of being like, was it good or was it bad? Because I think most people agree if you're just looking at it in a very literal way, it's not good. But I think how we want to look at it was, did the film, right, have a chance to even like improve on anything or do anything really creatively with the text, like considering the quality of the original source? So what do you guys think? That's a that's an interesting question. I don't think the films really had a chance, but I feel like those type of books aren't meant to be on the big screen, so they're not going to do well. So no, it didn't. Could it have improved? I think if the first film that Catherine directed, if she had added maybe more, uh, moments between Edward and Bella, like actual dialogue, not the montages that we got, maybe that could have improved upon the books. But overall, I I don't think so. Um, To add to what Jasmine was saying, I do think with the first movie, one thing that I remember when finding out there was Catherine that was directing it, I was a little bit iffy on it because of the fact that she's mainly a indie director so I feel like with that being like her first big budget movie action type of movie it didn't really suit her and I don't think she was the best 
choice when I look at the movie and that compared to New Moon and Eclipse and Breaking Dawn, just like the the difference between those movies compared to the first movie, even like with like the lighting and all of that. I just don't think she was the best fit for the movie to record it. And I think that was just one of the many issues with the movie besides how kind of cheesy it can be and the dialogue and just the direction they went and kind of showing the relationship between Edward and Bella. Yeah, I was going to say I agree with you. I don't I don't think Catherine Hardwick was like an ideal first choice to kind of like kick off the series, especially because like with the, you know, the first director that you bring on, they're setting up the blueprint for the rest of the films. Like, for example, like I think Christopher Columbus did like an excellent job, like setting up the first two Harry Potter films, because that really guided how the rest of the movies were shot. And I think with Catherine Hardwick, like bringing in like an indie style, I don't know if it exactly fit with the story and just like the, the the style that she chose to approach the first film that it just didn't suit it as well and I also think the movie struggled with what kind of genre they were trying to aim for or wanted to be labeled as like they clearly they weren't just trying to aim for like strict romance but they wanted to incorporate action when it's not much action like thriller so I think I guess going back to like Jordana's question like I'm not sure the movies like stood a chance just because I I think the books work out because of its format and then when you try to bring it to the big screen it something gets lost in translation so that's like point number one and number two I don't think um Bella as a main character I she's very problematic for like a lot of reasons and I think the love story itself is very problematic as well so when you like take all of those like elements and then try to I don't know bring it to the big screen like it's I'm not sure it was gonna I yeah I I think no matter what it was just not gonna turn out well I guess is what I'm trying to say yeah no I mean I think everyone brought up some really interesting points um I guess this is kind of we can talk about this in a little bit but Maybe something to think about is like what director, because the original film's budget was very small. I believe it was like in the $30 million range. Summit was a small company. So like what director would you guys like, what, who would do it for whatever they could pay them, you know, at that in, in, in their budget, would you guys want? This is just something to think about because I think that is an interesting like question to bring up because it is very true it does kind of the first film sets the tone all of this stuff for you know the whole series and you definitely see a pivot when the budget goes up to like the better action scenes and and that kind of stuff so but I really agree that like yeah it didn't really have a chance because of the text because yeah the the characters itself were a bit like well, yeah, Bella was a bit problematic. And also, like, you, so when you bring something to the screen, you lose kind of that inner monologue that we talked about in our kind of adaptations episode. And, I, you know, in this, you really lose, like, you know, kind of the thought, like, 
Bella's thinking and Edward's thinking in terms of their decision making. And I think that's why like the stuff they say is so ridiculous because you don't see what's going on in their mind in the same way when you're consuming a book. I actually think, I mean, maybe if Greta Gerwig was around back then, maybe I would have had her. That's but I think she was probably still in college. (laughs) But no, oh my God, that would have been great. I I would go see a Greta Gerwig, like Greta Gerwig, please do a Twilight reboot. You could, you're the only person who can save this. Yeah, I would trust her. (laughs) I'm like, my mind is blown. That's a great idea. Yeah, well, that's all, like. Yeah, off the top of my head, that's who I I thought of. But I mean, I'm sure there probably would have been other like uh, good choices. I mean, yeah, like the the budget was small, so there's only so much you can there's only so much you can work with, um, and your options are limited. But I feel like there could have been someone out there who could have done like a better job than Catherine Hardwick. I mean, she also she did her best, but it just I don't I just don't think her style was suited for these books. Yeah, so, like, kind of our next topic, this goes in well, and a lot of us talked about this, but, like, what went wrong with this? Like, so, obviously, we touched on this a bit, but I also think, like, the acting, look, it's not their fault. (laughs) It was their, like, first, like, huge, like, movie, but, like, I think that some of the acting also with this, this dialogue and this script um, was not, was not helping anyone and you know you see some of the kinks worked out but like it's almost like they're overacting right because they want this like mysterious I want to be this mysterious vampire or this angry werewolf or this you know clumsy and like you know sarcastic girl that everyone secretly loves like there's so many kind of yeah like I, I feel like they fell into all these like stereotypes right and so that makes it easier to like make fun of this movie you're not helping anyone yeah I mean because most there's they don't really have character traits Bella as a character doesn't like she's clumsy she's written very thinly I guess because you're supposed to be Bella you're it's easier to transport yourself to that character if she doesn't have very defined traits So that's why it's easier to read versus bringing that type of character to the screen because there's really no personality that you're, that's described in the book because you're Bella, you're imagining this perfect guy and that's what Edward is. That's what the fantasy is. Like you are this awkward person who, I mean, you're a teenager, so you understand that you connect with that. And this person who's beautiful and, like, perfect notices you. Like, that's the basics of Twilight. So to translate that to the screen, I don't, I don't know who could have directed these, the first movie better. I think if it had stuck more to what the actual book is, like, whoever directed this, if they stuck to what Twilight is about and didn't try to make it something else, I think it would have felt a little better. Because I remember when the first movie came out, and I was very excited about it. And then after watching it, not to completely harp on poor Catherine, I'm sorry, Catherine. (laughs) did your best, Catherine, with what you knew. (laughs) But I, but I remember like just being disappointed because it was, it was completely different. Like that's not, 
it became this weird thriller thing and that's not what twilight is you know so i don't i don't know if if another director could do that do anything with that to make it better i mean if they stuck close to it maybe maybe it would register a little better but i don't know um i think one thing with the movies i don't know if it was I feel like even if it had a good director, I just don't think the movie still would have been good regardless of who directed it. Because I think it still goes back to the problem of just there's certain things from the book that in the big screen, it just doesn't look well. And it's hard for it to not come off very cheesy or corny. And I just like with the first movie, there were the times they tried to incorporate like action into it. It just didn't, I just never felt like Bella's life was ever in danger for me to feel entertained by the action scenes. Like the scene with when James and Laurent and Victoria goes after her. Reading it in the book, I had like such a different energy towards it versus seeing it on the screen. And when James like bites her hand, I think that's what he did to her. Like me seeing on the screen, I'm like, oh, that's it. Like that's all that she went through the ends of her being in the hospital and Edward just feeling like he can't be around her type of situation. And then in New Moon, there really wasn't no plot for me when they tried to continue the story because Victoria, they didn't really do anything with her until, wasn't the eclipse when she finally died? Like she didn't, even with New Moon, when they tried to add action continue on with the whole situation of Bella's life being in danger because of Victoria it still felt like something was missing in the movie and when introducing the wolves it was still feeling a little off for me because of the way they chose to make them look it kind of just looked like they were huge puppies to me so it seeing it again it was just another one of those elements where I just feel this comes off really cheesy yeah I mean I agree I, I think that it comes back to like it didn't work because the original text was like very cheesy and you know and but I think Jasmine also brought up a good point where like Bella didn't have a personality right because like young girls reading it like you project yourself into it and that's why it's so you know that's why it was such a sensation right because who wouldn't want a vampire who is intrigued by you when you're like 15 um, to be like, I'm in love with you after a few days. Um, But I think that also that point of, and that's why it didn't translate well, but that's also why, you know, it's problematic, right? Because this relationship that these young girls are projecting themselves into is incredibly unhealthy and not okay. You know, a lot of the stuff that Edward does, you know, obviously, even besides the the staring at her in her in her bedroom, um, which now on TV, they like make fun of and they're like, this is a red flag when they're doing promos for whenever they show Twilight. But, you know, he gaslights her multiple times when she is right that he's a vampire and she's figuring it out and he gaslights her. And it's just a very toxic relationship. And it's I think it's not okay because so many impressionable young girls are reading this as 
an example of like the ideal um, romantic relationship. I mean, Twilight falls in along with the whole romance genre, not to dismiss all of the problematic elements, but I feel like Twilight just uses what the the tropes that are already there in romance dramas. It's in supernatural or paranormal romances, they're just exaggerated, but it's the same tropes that if these things happen, you mentioned Edward watching Bella, like if those things happened in real life, of course they're extremely creepy, but it's the context, the content that where it happens, the context. And that's where I guess it, it kind of. But well, if you're a 14 year old girl, do you understand the context of it? I mean, you, you, if you're already into Twilight, you're probably already watching a lot of romantic movies and there are extremely problematic elements in romantic movies. I mean, if you think about like, this is like an old movie, like you got mail, that's, that's a little problematic. If you think about like, yeah, if you think about never been kissed, that's weird. (laughs) If you think about like love actually, like what, (laughs) she's married, like what, why is this romantic? If you think about like, there's so many weird, oh, the notebook, like when he's like climbing on the Ferris wheel, like that's supposed to be like, charming and boyish like there yeah. are so many of these extremely movies. manipulative for those yeah. you who are, who are listening That's... yeah and there are so like 10 things I hate about you like she told him no repeatedly and he keeps coming back and he doesn't give up and like that's what a lot of these romantic movie tropes like lean on very heavily is like the the female is like no and the male doesn't give up and that's and then he's rewarded at the end i mean i feel like that should be discussed because you know twilight didn't just make up these tropes on its own like it got it from somewhere like i remember reading books in middle school about these sad emo like jerky boys like they always exist. Edward it was a jerk at some points, but like it's part of that weird sad boy thing that's yeah. always inserted in these like romantic books, especially like the younger books. Like there's always those sad emo boys. So I I don't dismiss what Twilight did, but I feel like a lot of hate and attention went specifically to Twilight and not And I feel like it should be more about the genre itself. Like that could be a discussion. I mean, yeah, I think that should be a discussion because like, as you mentioned, like all of those like romantic films, like they are problematic tropes uh, contained within them. Uh, Maybe Twilight gets more attention just because like, uh, you know, had such a rabid fan base. And at the same time, when you are, because I would say like at the height of like Twilight, Twilight Mania, I would say it was like comparable to like Backstreet Boys. So like, so not only do you get like a lot of like, you know, quote unquote positive attention, but you also get a lot of negative attention. But I just think I I know what you're saying, Jasmine, but I just feel like there's just like a lot of problems with how that love story plays out. 
within these books. And I think it's even more of an issue because like, you know, what kind of messages like Stephanie Meyer trying to send out to young girls? And I, yeah, I just don't think we can like dismiss that just like we can't dismiss like all of like the previous like rom-coms that came before it that also present all, all these like problematic like tropes as well. Because like for me, like, I mean, is like Stephanie Meyer trying to like convey that like, you shouldn't have your own identity you should be codependent on someone else that you should like throw your family like to the side just so you can like give up your mortality for like this other like this guy that like just came into your life um I mean I can go on and on um I think it's just maybe just how the problem is just like how the love story plays out it's not especially like when within like the context of fantasy when you're like even writing a book or like even making a film you still want there to be credibility like you need for it to like work within that realm and I just don't think it works and I'm gonna like bring up an example of like you had at that same time had True Blood and Vampire Diaries come out with basically the same love story right you, you have a human and a vampire that are connecting but somehow they're able to like make it work like on the screen and Twilight like wasn't able to do so. And maybe it's also like attributed to um, you know, Robert Pattinson and like Kristen Stewart just didn't know like what to do with the source material. And a lot of their scenes just like it just doesn't come off as romantic or any of that. It's very cringy and awkward. So Yeah, I mean I, I think that's a good point and I, so Jasmine, I do agree that overall, it's like the genre, the romance genre has very problematic tropes. But I think why Twilight, at least from my perspective, um, like why it's especially problematic is because like, so it, it's reinforcing these tropes, right? Like, obviously, they didn't invent it, but she chose to Stephanie Meyer chose to use these tropes and then it's consumed by hundreds of millions of girls who had, yes, they probably already consumed it, but it's just reinforcing these very toxic codependent relationships. So I do think it would be interesting as a whole to like have a conversation about the rom-com genre or the romance genre and all the unhealthy things they show. But I think because also you see, so in a lot of the times the like like in romantic movies it's a lot of build up to them getting together but in twilight we see them together and we see how codependent they are and that i mean and how like she doesn't want to like have friends essentially outside of him and his vampire quote-unquote family and that's unhealthy and like yeah she has to give up her whole life to be with him and like Yes, it's a fantasy, but I just don't think just because it didn't invent it, because it's made it even more popular and made these tropes even more like a part of kind of like the narrative, um, it's still problematic, you know. So I do I, I do think it's a good point that it, it is just like kind of a component right of the romance genre. But yeah, I think because we see their relationship, right? But we don't really see like, why do you love each other so much? You're just drawn together. And you know, part of it is like their chemistry and like 
they don't really, to me, have like a ton of chemistry. So that is also an aspect of it. But yeah, that's kind of where I feel about kind of critiquing Twilight. Yeah, there's like a lack of desirable like chemistry. Like there's just I it goes back to me like. I just don't understand the why, like, why are they attracted to each other? And I think Stephanie Meyer and I would say even like the movie spend a lot of time of like telling us why this is an epic love story, why they're so in love with each other and they don't show us why. So that's why it's like just us as an audience having a hard time, like trying to like um, understand their love for each other and why they make all these decisions and stuff like that. I think with what Demi said earlier compared to Vampire Diaries and True Blood, I think with Twilight, and this is why there's always like so many jokes over the movies on social media, the whole reasoning of them not being able to fully be in a relationship because of Edward potentially hurting her. It just, you see relationships and like vampire diaries and true blood although like they had their issues when it came to bill and stefan being vampires but it never got to the point of them having to minimize their physical contact with their girlfriends because of it It was just more of them just being with a vampire and it being dangerous with twilight when you think about it it just kind of came off the reasoning why they got married And all of that was just for them to just finally be able to have sex with each other while Edward worrying about hurting Bella. And that's kind of what came off weird to me about their relationship. It just seems the whole marriage, her turning to a vampire, essentially just came down to them just finally being able to just get intimate with each other. And that's why it just kind of comes off weird in the movie because you rarely see them doing relationship stuff that you will see in any normal movie because of the whole idea that Edward has of hurting her. Yeah, the only date they have, the mushroom ravioli. (laughs) Well, I was just going to say that the whole series kind of suffers from the insta-love, which doesn't seem to work for us on the rewatch or even me rereading the book because I think I'm the only one that reread Twilight recently you sure are (laughs) (laughs) but like it's actually a pretty entertaining read it it's not slow it's great like there's a good pace to it like I enjoyed reading it would it be my go-to read no but it was enjoyable but it, it does suffer, their relationship does suffer from this insta-love. So their obsession with each other doesn't make sense. And it is problematic. But what I feel like doesn't translate to the film is that Bella does make these choices. Like in the book, she is more of a parent to her parents and that's not shown in the film. So it, it's a little jarring. If you watch the film, like Charlie, I mean, you still feel bad for Charlie in the books and as you do in the film, but the way like Charlie's parenting is just very questionable because like, what, what were you doing for those like 10 
10 years that you were involved in her life? Like, why is she just allowed to do whatever? Like, why are you treating her like an adult? And her mom was, she was apparently raising her mom this whole time. So she's very flighty and it's like, it's been 17 years and you've been with this child and you still can't get your act together. Like what, what's happening there. But like also Bella does make the choice to not be friends with anyone. And that's more apparent in the book than it is in the film. Like she chooses like not to connect because it does suffer from this. Like I'm not like other girls, which is another trope that happens a lot. But she is very not connected to this world. So it makes sense upon reading it why it's so easy for her to just like be like oh vampire now I'm all about vampires like let's do this whole thing but not not that is not problematic but it's just one of those things and that doesn't I don't want to say it doesn't bother me but it is what it is (laughs) for me But that bothers me because she's 16. Like, what do you, I mean, you need to socialize, like, you you need to socialize. Like, that is a very important part of being, like, a well-adjusted person. And, like, maybe she doesn't want to be because she's like, oh, I'm going to turn into a vampire. So, like, I don't need to have emotional maturity. But, like, these are all things that, like, I don't know. It's just one thing after another that you have to kind of discount because it's just like, oh, Bella's this way, Bella's that way. But like, what is it saying to the audience? I I think ultimately that that's what you like, that that's the question I have. And it's still, to me, is problematic. Like, you know, even because it's reinforcing these problematic ideas, you know, it's not it's not the first person to come up with like any of these like concepts and she's using tropes that have already existed but it doesn't make it less problematic and then to have these books be so successful and do so well and be made into movies and then the movies don't translate even all of the quote-unquote like reasonings behind you know what like her thought process and everything I think I don't know. It's, I I can't seem to get over it. Maybe this is like my own issue. But yeah, I just don't think I think we need to do better for women and girls who are at an impressionable age. I mean, I, I, I get Jasmine's point. Like there's a lot in the books that explains like Bella's behavior and just provides a lot of context that just didn't make it to the big screen. So, I mean, essentially, it's it goes back to like, you know, this story just probably played out better in a book format than like in a movie format. Cause like there's a lot that you get from the books that you don't like see necessarily in the movies. And I don't know if that was like a creative decision or just, it was just impossible to kind of like display on the big screen. So yeah, I don't know. I, I agree with Jasmine. I understand where she's coming from. I also agree with you, Jordana, that like we probably should be doing better. Yeah, all all I'm I'm not I agree with you, Jordana. Like there is still a lot of problematic elements, but it's just it's 
Yeah, it is what it is for yeah. what it is. Like, I totally get that. And, like, you know, at a certain point, like, you can't take it so seriously because, like, this is, like, a young adult supernatural book. Like, it's not, you know, it's meant to be, like, kind of in that, you know, more ethereal, like, realm. But it's also, like, I, I, I do think, you know, I, I don't think I would feel this way if the movies and books weren't so huge, right, and have such a footprint on on popular culture i think i would feel differently if you know it had kind of like a niche audience or you know like a cult following as opposed to hundreds of millions of people you know and you know stephanie meyer didn't know that when she wrote the first book but she knew that after the first books came out so i don't know it's just like an interesting thing to think about like how this has affected you know, like how we see relationships play out in the movies. And yeah, I think, but I do think that is a good point. Like, it, it's just like the, the movies, you just can't bring the same context to it. And then that's where it becomes really problematic because there is a large amount of people who um, will just see the movies, who won't read the books. But yeah, anyway, I, I mean, I, I know we're all in agreement here. Like, it is kind of like a fine balance for sure. Yes, 100%. It's definitely, for me, Twilight rides that fine line between like, what are we doing? And then also like, okay, I, I understand what we're doing here, you know? So yeah, I think we're all in agreement. <laughs> yeah. But how do you guys feel like this, this franchise has affected popular culture because it has, but I don't know. I I'm interested to hear everyone's kind of opinions about that. I mean, I think it definitely was a defining moment in pop culture. Um, it elevated like the status of like these two, you know, young actors, you know, Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson. Um, I think it also elevated what comic con was, especially like the San Diego comic con and just kind of like having these like rabbit fans, like, come out to like see like the panels and stuff um and then I also think like with the success of not just like Twilight but also Harry Potter before that like it kind of like laid out the groundwork for like other young adult novels to like be adapted into the big screen um even though I think only the Hunger Games was the only other successful franchise after Twilight because like you did have like you know the Divergent series which didn't, which didn't do as well, but you had like a main character that was female. So maybe like it also encouraged um, movie studios to kind of like try to adapt more female focused stories, which I think was um, good. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's a good point too about like Harry Potter kind of like laid a lot of the groundwork um because I never until you like brought that up I never really thought of it that way but that's definitely you know if Harry Potter wasn't so big and you know the movies were successful like Twilight it was definitely a precursor to Twilight I mean I think the biggest thing for me um is like it it didn't invent shipping culture but I feel like it took like the idea of shipping you know team Edward team Jacob to another stratosphere where that is just anytime there's a love triangle that's like part of the conversation 
now. And so I definitely, that's kind of my big <laughs> takeaway is the idea of shipping and having this rabid fan base. It wasn't new when Twilight came out, but like it really, even though if you actually think about it, the love triangle was quite a bit lackluster because Jacob didn't have a chance with Bella. But um, but it definitely kind of added that element to like any love triangle where that's immediately when you hear there's a love triangle, triangle you're like there's team Stefan and team Damon and all of that stuff. And the Hunger Games too had a love triangle at its center. Correct. Correct. Uh, I also and, wanted to point out that I was engaging in shipping wars during middle school with oh Harry Potter. So. Yes. Well, who were you? I know this is like off topic, but wait, were you what? Team Harry and Hermione? What were you? I just couldn't stand Ron. So I fucking hate Ron. You guys know this, but we can talk about that in another. <laughs> in another. I, I could have a whole podcast about how Ron Weasley is the worst friend of all time and literally serves no purpose. But I do think, yeah, Twilight did elevate like the shipping wars. So I'll give them credit for that. But Harry Potter, I think, really started it. Agree. I do think Twilight also added with that phase of vampires and humans together because then you had True Blood after that and Vampire Diaries and that also went up to another level with shipping wars and love triangles between a human and a vampire and a werewolf type of situation. And I do, even though Harry Potter did it first, it also added with the trilogy and making the last book split into two movies because even Hunger Games follows suit with Harry Potter and Twilight when it came to that as well. So I think that's like one thing Twilight definitely added to the pop culture around that time. I agree with everything you guys have said. I definitely think it did uh, make it known that female, the female-driven entertainment was a market that they could tap into and that would make a lot of money for them. And I think Twilight definitely proved that as well as like the increase of just, I'll say vampire specific, but supernatural romances, like definitely took off. Like I know if I'm not, I believe I'm correct about this, but I believe the Sookie Sackhouse stories came out first. I believe so. Right. I think you're right. Those books have been around a while, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they definitely right. like saw, like they took off like after this whole Twilight craze because there is a market for that. And it's, you know, people are extremely interested. Maybe they're a little burned out now about with like vampire romances, but that was definitely like the heyday of like, let's throw in all of these vampire supernatural. Let's throw in the werewolves. Let's do all of that. But what I wish didn't exist is this whole love triangle thing. I mean, here we go, guys. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, I'll just touch on like Hunger Games. Was that like a love triangle? Did it's supposed to be. Did Gail have a, like, what? Like, I feel like a lot of those specific love triangles, like, that third person, that interlooper did not have a chance. <laughs> like, I... That interlooper. <laughs> the little interlooper. You know who I'm talking about in Twilight? It is Jacob Feels forced. <laughs> yeah, it feels forced. 
<laughs> yeah, in Twilight, yeah. I mean, we can, oh, God, in a... Oh, I'll, man. I'll, in a- I'll save that for later. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I wish the little love triangles weren't, like, a huge thing. But Twilight definitely brought that to attention, and a lot of writers started adding that. Or making it like one of the key things in their books. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point that like, that's a part of the formula for like anything like supernatural fantasy with like a female driven lead is you have to have, you know, a love triangle. Like you you have to, this has to be a major storyline or even try to make it um, like a major storyline. So, you know, is that is that to our advantage in terms of like telling, you know, female stories? Probably not. But like, it is what it is. Um, But it's definitely like Twilight left its mark in that sense. And that is a really good point. I never thought about like the Suki Stackhouse books and how those were out before Twilight was published. And then after Twilight, um, you know, became such a success. They made it into a TV series. Well, and True it was- Blood came out in 2008, actually. Eight? Oh, okay. Never mind. Wait, like the TV series or the books? The, the TV series came out in 2008. And then no, the Vampire Diaries followed. Oh, the books? No, yeah. They have been out a while. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That like the books like have been out and then they capitalized just on the success of like Twilight and like vampire you know what I mean all of these shows and they were like oh we could make this into like a successful like you know tv show and that kind of stuff so I that that was just something I never thought about but it's very true that Twilight kind of did those two things and you know I think we're at a place now where we are telling even more interesting stories of female protagonists so like we definitely like the narrative is moving towards I think you know where where we want it to be in terms of like strong female leads but you know always more work to do but yeah if anyone else has any well I was gonna ask do you guys think there are any redeeming qualities about the movies the soundtrack it gave us Robert Pattinson <laughs> did Harry Potter give us Robert Pattinson no I'm kidding I'm kidding yeah and the soundtrack though the soundtrack was really amazing i'll give it that yeah i feel like you know they improved in the ways they like kind of had control over right they didn't have control over the script to a certain extent all of these things you have control over the soundtrack right the music how you score things and also the cinematography was beautiful set the mood that kind of thing and that that's something you know they have a lot you have pretty much a ton of creative control over that but yeah but those are the two things and charlie i like charlie. i was gonna say billy burke was the saving grace of this film the and highlight the, and the human supporting cast i would say they like i think they did their best like especially like anna kendrick like i don't like i mean but they didn't have the same they weren't dealing with the same i guess obstacles that like yeah. robert pattinson and, and chris kristen stewart were dealing with but still yeah, I agree. Charlie and the supporting cast were really good in that. And I, they didn't have to deal with a lot of the restrictions that they were trying to make these characters. Like a lot of the personalities from the vamp- from the Cullens 
were not transferred into this film. Like they were a lot more lively in the book than they were on the screen. But uh, my favorite scene has to be the fact that they added the battle scene between uh why am I blanking out <laughs> on what their name is between the Collins and the Volturi thank you uh because it was really nice that we actually got to see what that battle would have been like uh, because I understand why Stephanie did not add that into the book because a lot of characters would have had to die and that is not what this series is about. It's not this like war, battle, war and like death every single book. Like that's not what this what Twilight is about. But it was really cool to see all of these powers in action. And I remember being in the theater and like when, uh, who was holding his head? Was it Jane or was it Arrow? One of them was holding Carlisle's head. Yeah. And like the gas that happened in the theater and the screams, like I'll never forget that. Like that was that was a fun moment in the theater. Yeah. Because we're like, what the hell? That didn't happen. (laughs) I didn't see that in the theater. And slash when I was rewatching it, I like did not I was like, I don't know if I've seen these, the Breaking Dawn movies at all. Oh yeah. I I, what am I the only one that saw all of them in theaters? Yes. Together? I, I think we saw either New Moon or Twilight at midnight together. And then after that, I gave up on the movies. Just because, like, I, I think sitting there, like, watching, like, it come to you play out on the big screen, I just felt awkward and it just felt cringy. And it's just like, oh, this isn't, like, how I remembered it when I was reading the books. It just wasn't the same feeling, so... I, I, New Moon lost me. I and then I just recently watched Breaking Dawn <laughs> on TV. Yeah, I had it. Oh, New Moon was that was a struggle to get through. Yeah, I feel like you guys left me around New Moon. New New Moon Eclipse was around the time when I was like, "What am I doing?" But as a completionist, I had to finish them, so I <laughs> did see them all in theaters. But I was definitely feeling what you guys were feeling after. New Moon. Eclipse was probably like when I was like, what am I doing? But I had to I had to finish. <laughs> I think also because like we were getting a bit older, we kind of it just started losing its appeal to, I would say. We were ready to call it on its bullshit. <laughs> I was like, I'm not gonna yeah, say exactly. <laughs> I was like, well also because yeah, there was a gap between when the books came obviously when the books came out and then the movies. So yeah, by the time you get to like yeah eclipse breaking dawn i was like this shit is corny and it's it's bullshit like these relationships and all of this stuff like the core of the story is not what i'm about and so i was kind of like i'm out now what we're gonna do is i think so we all rewatched the twilight movies so we all have a lot of feelings about certain creative decisions made in the movies um and i know we all took notes so this is kind of our you know our airing of the grievances grievances portion where we uh we just complain about the stuff that made no sense to us the weird creative decisions um yeah so i'm gonna just open the floor to anyone i think we all have uh, strong thoughts 
So upon the second rewatching of this series, I actually enjoyed how campy and silly it was. Like I, I had a good time laughing at it sometimes with it. But what did stick out to me and what I was reminded of is my hatred for Jacob Black. I hate this character. I honestly, truly hate this character. And I hate... I'm going to defend him. Of course you are. But I I hate that his actions seem to get looked over. Like a lot of focus is on Edward and it makes sense. He's the lead there. He's the one in the relationship. But Jacob is doing the same annoying things And everyone, like, when I see all these little articles, it's like, Jacob, the cute friend. Jacob, is is he a friend? I spent four four movies, is it four movies, three books, watching this guy have a temper tantrum? Yes. Four four books and five movies. (laughs) Well, no, he was fine in Twilight. No, that's what, yeah, she's saying he was fine in the first one. But any time after that. Lord, temper tantrums all day, all night. He keeps like coming and expecting Bella to change her mind. And she has told him repeatedly, like, you are not my first choice. I don't want you like that. And he will get upset. He'll run into the woods. He'll strip down, run into the woods crying. He'll come back later, do the same thing. And then run off crying into the woods again. He'll get angry at Bella. He'll try to control what choices. I mean, like, if you don't agree with Bella's choices, that's fine. But she's making those choices. He doesn't care. He just keeps coming, trying to control her. And then crying. And then we spend so long with him talking about how werewolves are better. And how he would be, Bella would be safer with him. Which doesn't even make sense. She would be just she would be in danger with him too. So what is he talking about? Why why did I waste all of this time? Why so much screen time? Why did I spend a whole book? I hate New Moon because there's so much Jacob. <gasps> I and hate oh my God, I'm oh, dead. This is <laughs> I spend so much time with this character. For what? There's like there's not a moment in time when Bella is like wavering. I mean, people like to be like, oh, but if she just had time, really? I think Yeah, I think her mind was made up. Like there was nothing that he like nothing anyone could have done. Yeah. They would have gotten together, they would have in in New Moon, you know? Yes, as like her like backup guy and I'm rebound. Sure. Rebound. rebound and I'm pretty sure they would have like broken up later on because Bella would have yeah know, disappeared somewhere but also if Bella's like not emotionally mature then Jacob is like an emotional infant so yeah I think also I feel like in the movies they tried to kind of like downplay like a lot of his I guess tantrums I want to say because like in the books it's very yeah, it's very cringy, but I think I don't know. Maybe this has to be it has to do with um Taylor Lautner. Like he tried his best with the character, and maybe he I just like tried to. That. Yeah, he just tried to like make him more presentable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I do feel like they tried to distract us by having him shirtless, like ninety percent of the time. You that know? worked for me. 
I mean, yeah, but even that couldn't like say because yeah, even I was like this this dude is temper tantrums like and the huffing and the like just storming off like how what is it um which one eclipse or breaking dawn opens with like where where he gets the wedding invitation and he like storms out in the rain. Yes, how ridiculous. And then it's just like, how good of a friend can he be to you, Bella, that you keep him around? And then Stephanie thought it would be a good idea to like end his arc with him like falling in love with a baby. Like, why (laughs) so much time with this character for this? I mean, that's my big gripe is is the... The imprinting on, well, also the name Renezme is also a gripe, but we all know that's ridiculous. But the, the imprinting, like Stephanie, I blame Stephanie Meyer for this. This is all, this was not a necessary decision. Like, this was a very odd and inappropriate creative decision to have Jacob imprint on a freaking baby. And it's the one time I liked Bella where she had that reaction when she finds out that you imprinted on my baby and you nicknamed her the Loch Ness Monster or after the Loch Ness Monster. No, it's, it's inappropriate. It's just really icky. I remember, I don't know if I read the book. I probably did, but it being like icky when I read the book, like, and you know, Stephanie Meyer in her mind was probably like, oh, this is a great way to tie it all together. Tie the love, explain why Jacob is like so drawn to Bella. No, no, it's gross and inappropriate. And this is, I think, one of the top critiques with it that turns a lot of people off rightfully so. But even like, so their cover story, like the Cullen's cover story is that they're foster kids but they're all in couples like that doesn't even make sense to me the the red flag in the in twilight in the first book movie i did want to say that i also think they tried to um make the imprinting more presentable in the movies they tried cgi baby face no thank you no i meant like i'm teasing i'm teasing no no i meant the the moment where like jacob imprints i think in the movie they tried to make it more presentable but I, 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 it just, it doesn't, it just do doesn't work. Yeah. It's also, it's him huffing a lot in that too. I can't believe a gif of that moment exists, honestly. But yeah, the CGI baby face is another big gripe for me because, wow, what a creative decision. Very creepy. I understand like why they had to do it. It was just not executed in a way where I couldn't, I was just laughing at it the whole time. Yeah, the babe. I mean, there is no way to bring There's that no type of character to the screen. It's just, it's just weird. And I remember reading it, thinking it was weird. And I mean, Breaking Dawn, I think, angered a lot of people because there are a lot of things that were just like, why is this happening? I mean, the whole pregnancy thing is extremely. It was an interesting choice that she went about this pregnancy like this. And I just remember, and I think they did a good job kind of adapting this. Like, I remember reading, like, when her spine snapped and, like, she fell and her knees shattered. Like, they did a good job, like, bringing that to the screen. I agree. But I remember reading that and being like, what in the world is happening? Like, what is happening? Why is this happening? 
honestly, that was a very traumatic scene to watch. Like, just uh, not even scene. It was just period in the movies where she's pregnant and emaciated. And then the birth scene is very... I know there's not, like, a lot of blood, Anna. But, like, to me, it was very violent birth scene where... Oh, my God. I'm still a little traumatized um, by that birth scene. Yeah, I mean, but that was, I mean, it was done well. It was done, you know, this was not supposed to be, like, an easy, blissful pregnancy, so I guess it's less of a gripe. That's more me being, like, wow, that was, like, intense and really hard to watch, like, Kristen Stewart as, like, this emaciated person carrying a fast-growing vampire baby. I just think that whole scene was very weird to me because it just... I don't know, it's just, I guess it's just one of the things I keep saying when you see in the movie, it just comes off cringeworthy because I just didn't get what was happening. Like the way they chose to record it, like I couldn't, you didn't really see anything that was going on. So I just, it was just confusing to me, like what was happening during the birth scene. And then like when Edward was biting all over her, like I just don't get. Ugh, it was just gross. Thing to do with that i actually didn't understand how you turn into a vampire in twilight i was a little bit confused with how it was that she turned into a vampire it's just the venom the venom just needs to get into her system enough of it before you die before you die right well my only i guess two grievances um that i just really want to point out is i cannot stand bella's overvoice in the movies i just police why couldn't they have done away with that and then i think it also goes back to the dialogue was just really bad it was just so bad and so like how jasmine said sometimes i found myself laughing at the movie because the dialogue was so bad yep climb on spider monkey (laughs) iconic like if they ever remake twilight they gotta leave that in Because, yeah, some of the dialogue, and like I said, you could tell, like, it was written by a Mormon who didn't want to curse, and they're like, they let any riffraff in here, and all of this stuff, but, you know, yeah, no, the dialogue was just, like, really corny, and I think also... Kristen Stewart, like, so Bella's, I think she didn't know how to, or it didn't come across, like, Bella's sarcasm, so it just comes off as, like, disinterested like she's not even acting she's just saying the lines because i think she's trying to come do this sarcastic delivery but it's just not coming across so that was also i think yeah and just bella is pretty insufferable the whole time but except for yeah when she finds out jacob inappropriately imprints on her newborn so guys this movies are are they a yay or a nay for you yay in terms of like rewatching for like comedic like i i think this is a good kind of quarantine like unwinding activity where you rewatch twilight with someone hopefully and you just like kind of laugh at it if we're actually looking at it objectively like obviously nay but it's kind of one of those movies that's like so bad it's fun to rewatch would i rewatch every single one probably not jasmine anna yay or nay I think to me, even though it's cheesy, it's so yay. Like, it's just, it's just one of those movies where Jordana was saying, like, you can just watch for fun out of boredom. Yeah, the easy, you can have it on the background while you're, like, doing something else. <laughs> it's a fun drinking game. Jasmine, 
<laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. How many times Jacob storms off and like huffs and breathes heavily, Jasmine? You get trashed. I would because he does it a lot. <laughs> but yeah, this would be a yay for me. I enjoyed rewatching it. I mean, am I going to rewatch it anytime soon? Probably not. But like, if I think about it, maybe like in a like two or three years, and I'm like, huh, what was Twilight? You know, I might put it on. I. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think for me it's a May. It's somewhere in between just because rewatching it, it was, I was just so bored. But like, it's, I can just see it as a fun movie to like play a drinking game with or maybe a fun movie to watch with friends. Um, but yeah, I think it's, a, yeah, it's somewhere in between. I don't want to give it a full nay, but it's not a full yay either. Why do you regret reading it or being a part of Twilight? I think I regret going to the midnight showings. <laughs> But like I'm saying that as like, you know, as I'm older, but I think even back then, like after New Moon, I was just like, why did I do this? It was a fun time. But like what we got on the screen, I guess, because seeing it on the screen, you know, made us think about it critically. And some of that love disappeared because <laughs> having people read those lines, it, it's just it's not going to work the same way as reading it so I I I do understand kind of regretting that but I I don't know it was it was fun at the time to be a part of that twilight world it, like there are a lot of things going on there was a lot everyone was talking about it, it yeah was it was fun. a communal experience yeah like I mean at least when we were like all reading the books and then maybe through the first movie but after that that was I'm like, I'm done, guys. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I do agree. Like, it was fun, like, when the books came out. And, yeah, it was a fun communal experience. But that only goes so far. All right, friends. That's another episode of One More Take. Listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. And you may also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore One More Take. Until next time. Bye.